Hello, I'm Kimberly and welcome to ResStyle. I'm here today with Clayson and Janita Benelli from Sihasen. I want to thank you for joining me today and many people know them from back in the day as Black Fire and their uh, musician group from the Navajo Nation. Can you share with us what you guys have been doing over these last few years and the name change and everything with your band? Yat e she Janita Benali Yinishia, she e Beetla Chi Yinishle, Auto Twitchini Bashis Chin, Nakai Dinette Dashanella, Auto Polish Hulyegi Dashache, Zitlajin de Nasha, Auto Kinslena e Shehuan. So how I always introduce myself in my in the traditional manner because I am a Dine woman. Um, we, Clayson and I, you know, we've been playing music for a long time, for over 24 years now. And um, there was a whole series of incidences that really kind of led up to Clayson and I deciding to create this project named Sihasen. In our language, in the Diné language, Sihasen means hope. It means to look ahead, to plan with hope, with assurance. And it's kind of one of our, our core philosophies as Diné people. And so there were, there, there were a rash of um, packed youth suicides that happened on our Navajo Nation. Um, and, you know, we heard of suicides from children from as young as nine years old. And I realized that, uh, that I, I needed to make music that was about hope, that was about empowering our youth, about inspiring our youth, that, you know, that we needed to utilize our creativity in a different manner that it's okay to be angry it's you know anger is so important but it's how we utilize that anger uh, which is really important how one releases the anger and for us um, we you know we utilize our creativity we do a number of youth workshops um, youth empowerment workshops all over um, the United States and internationally as well. I think that we've been really blessed being musicians and artists having that voice you know, looking at our own experiences growing up on the reservation from Black Mesa Big Mountain where coal extraction and seeing our elders you know going through a lot of hardship you know trying to resist forced relocation and experiencing that and using music as a tool to, to overcome those adversities and then use it as a way to not only inspire our youth back home, but you know, go to the rest of the world and talk about the issues, you know, what we see happening and write songs and music about that. And we just 
made a transition, you know, from Black Fire, you know, over 20 plus years and, you know, the, the case that our family was a part of, there's a sacred mountain, Dekoosleet. Dekoosleet is our, I guess, Western pillar as Diné people, as Navajo in the Southwest. So we're looking at Arizona, Colorado, Utah, New Mexico. Those are the four sacred mountains, boundaries for our people. This particular mountain, Dekoosli, for us, you know, for me personally, became my voice. You know, the reason why I, you know, I'm probably here today, you know, a lot of who I am, my identity, not only through my culture, you know, it's a mountain that signifies and represents adulthood and, you know, learning to stand on your own two feet. You know, each of these four sacred mountains has a representation of birth, you know, adolescence, adulthood, becoming an elder, the four sacred colors, all of that, it's part of our, our medicine bundles. But when a ski resort in Arizona decided they wanted to make reclaimed wastewater snow, snow out of toilet water on our sacred mountain, you know, we went through a process, you know, learning and educating ourselves about media, about everything that you could imagine, the legal system and how we could try to help prevent this desecration from happening and and after many years of being in the courts you know in our our case losing you know you get to that point where you know you're it, it's crushing you know it's devastating not only to see your sacred site you know something that you love and you see as a female living entity you know being destroyed you know when they came through with chainsaws and clear cut and you know, dug trenches to put the piping for the reclaimed wastewater. That was one of the most heartbreaking things that you can experience. You know, it's like watching your mother, you know, being raped, you know, it's that heartbreaking. So for us, having, going through that, you know, just coming to a, a place where, you know, I'm a father now, I have a six-year-old daughter and it's amazing. And I, I had, you know, you have to have that strength to continue moving on, you know, and I, wanted to, to write songs and things that, that were also for my healing too, you know, to, to find that strength and courage to move forward again. So that's what C has in yes. for us. What do you guys do for when you go out and you talk to the youth? What kind of encouragement do you give them out on the reservation? Well, we do a, a many different workshops with the youth. Um, we do songwriting workshops. We do... Um, workshops about utilizing one's creativity um, as a means to um, find a way to create positive solutions or create a positive impact in your community. Yeah, I think we, we tend to think outside of the box coming from, you know, reservation community back home where you, you don't have a lot of resources. You know, you, you look to what you have available and we've done workshops where we'll um, make uh, instruments out of just, you know, things that would be discarded or considered trash and, you know, show people that, you know, you can really find a voice through through any means by, you know, every faculty that we have as, as five-fingered people, in our language, you know, the five-fingered people, we have the ability to create and make things and use our imagination, use our voice, use our talents, our skills, and make something beautiful with that. You're a woman bass player, very few of them in the music industry, uh, besides like Janice Marie Johnson. 
What made you decide to go into doing bass? I love the sound of the bass. <laughs> I've never wanted to play anything else. It's just, it's that deep resonance, you know, for me, the sound of every note, every tone on the bass is an emotion. And so for me, it's really like, it's, it's spiritual to play the bass because I just, I feel like sometimes when I'm not able to use my voice to, to eloquently say something, I can say it through the bass. And that's sometimes, that's what we do also with our youth workshops is we teach kids how to play music uh, with one instruments. Of the, one of the programs that we're a part of um, with uh, Richie Anderson from, used to be Mothership Blues Band? Earth? Mother Earth Blues Mother Band, Earth an Blues amazing Danette guitarist, Richie Anderson. But kind of forms a collective of uh, mainly Navajo artists back you know, in the southwestern region, going into um, not just school systems, but you know, having youth come and using medicine for that healing process, doing suicide prevention as well. And, you know. I, I know your drum setup, I've heard your drum setup is way different than most people's drum setup. How did you come up with the way, the way your drum setup is? With the drums that I perform on, um, I actually make drums as well. My father taught me you know, how to make you know, different hand drums, power drums. So, you know, I wanted to incorporate something more of who I am, my voice. You know, there's lots of drummers out there that, you know, use Western style kits. And when we became a two piece, it was, you know, a time for a transition. And I, I felt like I needed to change the energy. So I did everything kind of opposite. I switched my sticks around, drumsticks, flipped those. Rather than sitting down, I stood up, you know, and just for me, it was a process of learning to find my voice within the drums as well. And I, I never considered myself a drummer or a musician. You know, it's self, being self-taught, you know, you just learn to listen and, you know, it's part of a language for me. So when I, when I play, it's more like the drums are using me, you know, they're playing me. So I just try not to get in the way and let the drums do the talking. A lot of our, our music is Sihas and, you know, we really wanted to focus on, um, on uplifting the spirit because, like my brother had said earlier, um, you know, we sued the federal government and we lost and, you know, I, I, I've always wanted to be an attorney and, <laughs> and I really saw that there was no justice in the legal system and so I felt absolutely crushed, like devastated that everything that, that I, you know, so much of what I had hoped for and, you know, worked so hard for was this big rug that had been taken out from under me. And, um, and when you see that um, our youth are suffering, you know, that our youth are feeling displaced that you know in their own homes they're feeling displaced they don't feel nurtured you know they don't they don't feel respected and so for us when when we uh decided to to make this music to to become sihasen it was the transformation of who we were of, of healing um our own wounds but reaching out uh, and hoping that other people will join us on this road of healing. We're blessed because our father, Jones Benali, he's a cultural practitioner. He works at the Winslow Area Health Clinic in Winslow, Arizona. 
he's been practicing for over 18 years using traditional medicine that he learned from his grandfathers, his grandmothers, you know, just carrying on the herbs, the traditional bone setting, prayer ceremonies, and they've, you know, had tremendous success at this particular hospital. And just growing up working alongside of him, apprenticing and trying to learn, you know, when we look at the elements that we are faced with today, you know, even environmental, you know, degradation and climate change overall, you know, the different issues that we're faced with now as contemporary people, you know, our traditional, you know, uh, cultural practitioners, there's, there's wisdom and knowledge within that. You know, we don't just look at what the symptom is, you know, what, what somebody's suffering with. You know, you go to a doctor and they say, okay, this is a diagnosis, you have this. They don't look at, well, how did that start? Where does that, where did that begin? You know, it's just looking at treating and trying to mask what's happening, the effects of whatever occurred. So I think that's how we approach songwriting. We look at, well, what is the symptom? What is, you know, how do we change and alter that and, and to turn it around into something positive and make people feel good again, you know, energize. If there's one message you could leave the world in regards to Indian country and your land and what you guys are, your message is, what would that be? That's difficult because there, there are so many different issues, but every issue is really, it comes down to that, that we can never give up. We can never, ever lose hope, no matter what obstacles we are against. We can never lose hope. And that it only takes one person to change the world. And, and you can be that one person. You can do it. Well, that's the problem is that a lot of people feel overwhelmed. They think, you know, these solutions or these, these problems are too big for me to make any kind of impact or difference. And, you know, you get overwhelmed and you don't know where to start. It's like you try to clean up your room, but if it's just the whole house is a mess, you know, you're just going to maybe give up. But if you take your time, work through one thing at a time, focusing with yourself, you know, then your family, you know, everything that we do, you know, I'm a hoop dancer as well, uh, artist, and you know, when we look at, you know, hoops and and how we're connected within the circle, you know, it's for me, it's it's simple. You know, we we are all part of this. We're connected, and we got to heal those broken circles. We got to fix those hoops. We got to make things whole again, reconnect our elders. You know, right now, you know, a lot of our wisdom keepers within our communities, our elders, spiritual leaders you know, they're moving on with their next journey and that information isn't being carried on and passed on. And it's up to, to us as youth, you know, stepping forward, learning, our, you know, as much as we can about our language or culture. Right now, back home, there's a lot of issues with voting, you know, and not being fluent within our language. And, you know, there is a transition. We're, we're trying to you know, within the last few decades, you know, culture has become cool again, and people are finally, you know, have, you know, pride and dignity back within, you know, Native America, and that's a lot of, a lot of that is due to journalism and the reporting and, you know, what's happening, you know, with networks such as yours, and every little, you know, bit helps, you know, and when there's one success, when we have one victory for one tribe, we know even one loss, you know, it's too much. You know, when we lose one elder, you know, that knowledge is gone. But when we have one victory, 
you know, for protecting sacred sites, for working towards, you know, just different cultural, I guess we're all cultural ambassadors for our tribe. And when we have these victories, you know, that's what's really important, you know, working together, sharing, you know, we're not isolated, you know, the issues that happen in Dineta back in the Navajo Nation, you know, they're not so different from what happens in the East Coast or other parts of the reservation or even in Africa or, you know, with the Northern Europe with the Sami as indigenous people, you know, coming together, finding positive solutions and working towards, you know, really ensuring that our culture, our language, our youth, all of that is kept safe. I want to thank you for joining me today. If you want to learn more about Janita and Clayson, you can check out sihasan.com. Kimberly Acosta with Indian Country TV. Thank you. Yeah.